0: If you're over 40 and want to be the best version of yourself, Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence is here to help. Clarence
1: Ferguson is a seasoned loan officer, fitness expert, personal chef, and entrepreneur who leads a revolution of men and women who want to live their best life going into middle age.
0: Inspiring dialogue, challenging topics, and industry leaders are here offering tips and how-tos to improve your life. Now... Here's Coach Clarence.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to Fit Over Forty. I'm your host, Coach Clarence, and I have my guest, Joey Swoza. I'd never say your name right. Solowitz, man. Solowitz. We've been through this. (laughs) I know, (laughs) know, like five (laughs) minutes ago, we went through it. But the way it looks like, it would sound differently. Um, So what's happening, man? Four months ago, you were here telling us about your journey. What's going on now?
0: Oh, my God, man. Well, it's been four months. So as I said last time, man, like I spend – most of my year, I live in Portugal. It's where my uh, my, my soon to be ex wife is from. It's where my one of my children was born, and uh, we live there in these beautiful islands called the Azores. About you know, I'm there about four months at a time, and I usually get to come home to Phoenix and Scottsdale to spend time with friends and family a couple times a year. So since I saw you in April, man, whew, well it's August now. It's been a roller coaster, to yeah. say the very least. I've done some traveling, man. Uh, sorted out a lot of personal matters in terms of you know navigating a very very challenging time in my life you know relative to what we talked about last time uh I was separating from my long term uh spouse and uh ultimately you know i'm 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 happy with where i'm at right now man it's been a journey these past half a year but this past half a year but man it's 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 good to uh to see see yourself come out on the other side feeling stronger, better, fitter, healthier, and, and clearer of mind. A
1: lot of people um, really took a lot away from your journey. What's the update and what's the takeaway that you feel like you, the, you took away the most from that experience? You know, man, when I was here in April, <clears throat> I took the trip back here
0: because it was right at the beginning of this journey of, of, you know, divorce, something that's incredibly, you know, dark and, and, Unhappy, and uh, I was in a it was in a bad place at that time. I was trying to navigate what what that looked like, what that felt like, and it was it was hard. And I came back here, came home to do that, you know, to spend time on my own, kind of reflecting. And that's when I came on your podcast and and had a good conversation. Then, and I think the the most important thing to say is, you know, we. we we always hear it. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's going to get better. You know, we say these things, and and when you're in the thick of something really dark, those those comments can feel kind of kind of half-hearted, nebulous, and uh, and and frankly, not very heartfelt. But the truth of the matter is, man, is that like, as I've gone through this journey, I, I got back home back in May to the island that I live on, and really kind of put my head down and said, you know, that, that this is it, and I, I started to. To move myself away from what I would call sustained talk, you know, trying to, to sustain what was, you know, kind of when you go through something hard that you don't want to go through, I, I think we all start in that, <clears throat> excuse me, in that sustained mentality. Like, what can I do to just not have this happen, to keep sure. things as they are? And I, I really kind of did a mindset shift to what I call change talk. Okay. You know, what, what, what do things look like moving forward? What, what values do I want to align my next decisions behind? They're going to have to be similar, but probably different as a single man, as a man who's now going to, you know, raise my kids part-time on my own. You know, I'm going to have to, to navigate that. So I've, I've spent a lot of time evaluating what matters to me, Mm -hmm. who I am as an individual, not as a, not as a person, you know, who's, who's committed to somebody else for my life. And as a result of, Flipping that switch to, uh, again, that change talk mentality, it's allowed me to start walking into a far healthier mindset about what my future is going to look like. That makes sense. And I'm sitting here now in a, in a far better place mentally yeah. than I think I was back then. How has that shaped your coaching? Oh, my God, man. It's, it's so funny. You know, I think I said on the last interview, you know, the the one of the individuals that owns the company I coach for, BSL Nutrition, her name's Christina Brown. And she she said at that time when I was in the midst of this, you know, this is going to be great. You're going to be such a more powerful coach as a result of having gone through this experience, such a more empathetic coach. And at the time, it almost made me mad. I was like, dude, I don't need to hear that. Just shut up. Like I'm in the depths of despair right now. <laughs> but, you know, that the, the reality of it is, man, is – Every single experience that we have in our life is working to shape who we are today and who we will be tomorrow. And it's unavoidable. Whether we want to acknowledge that or not, the decisions you're making today are shaping who you're going to be tomorrow, the relationships you're going to have tomorrow, and how you're going to relate to the people and the world around you tomorrow. Every decision matters. It's all compound interest. And while this situation that I find myself in, going through a divorce, was incredibly challenging... It's allowed me to see, you know, from a coach's perspective, what other people are going through. And it's given me one more kind of piece of empathy in my toolbox to pull from when I see people's struggles and acknowledge that, you know, do you mind if I tell a quick story, you this know, is your show, bro? I, I'm somebody who's very goal oriented, particularly, you know, I'm a health coach. I'm, I'm into nutrition. I'm into fitness. I, I used to be a, a competitive fighter. You know, these are things that I do very, very goal oriented. And, and it's always been incumbent and pertinent for me to have something to work towards, you know, in terms of like some body composition goal or, or fight I want to get in shape for or whatever. In the past six months, quite frankly, I haven't been able to adhere to any strict diet plan. I haven't been able to get myself on any sort of consistent, you know, what I would call periodized strength training plan. A lot of what I've been doing these past four or five months has been haphazard. And I've been hard on myself about that. I've been mad at myself. Like, why can't I get my shit together and just get in the gym five days a week and train hard and set some sort of goal or whatever it may be? But the reality of it is, is, you know, having had had some talks with with my coach, you know, the guy that owns the company I coach for, that's Ben Brown. Brown. yeah, you know, We all know Ben. You know, the, the reality of it is, is that we all go through seasons of life, man. Of course. We all go through seasons of life and our goals, our objectives and our values, and therefore our behaviors that we hopefully are choosing to align behind those goals, objectives and values are going to shift relative to the season that we're in. And I've realized that with this season that I'm in right now, the best I can do is be as present as I can be for myself, for yes. my kids and the people that matter. And this has taught me as a coach to kind of look at the people who I'm helping, who I'm supporting, who are counting on me to support them, to empathize with the seasons of life that they're in Gotcha. and recognize that there's no, there's no perfect path. There's no perfect plan. What we can do is look at where you're at, look at what you got going on and look at what's realistic for you right now, and set realistic expectations.
1: Gotcha. That's the key. Gotcha. Love it. So in your Instagram and your reels and stuff, you're always walking. You got these walks, and you're in a beautiful place to walk. It's not like here. It's like stumbling over homeless people. And, you know, it's hot as hell. Um, talk about walking, and I tell people a lot, and I, I my struggle with being homeless. I walked a lot of places and it was like therapy because when you walk, I don't know if you ever did any treadmill training where you're just walking, it's good to open your mind up. What's the walking like for you?
0: Oh man, walking is something I picked up during the pandemic. We all had our thing that we picked up during yeah. the pandemic, and you know we all know that I picked story. Up a
1: few pounds, <laughs> I picked up. Some people picked up
0: a few pounds. Some people picked up picked up a few smokes or a few beers. You know, I picked up. I picked up picked my step up divorce, count. Yeah, so, <laughs> light, I picked up my step count in a newfound uh, singlehood. We'll call it. But anyways, <laughs> um, so the reality of it is, man, is like yeah, during the pandemic, like you couldn't do anything. So right. I got outside and I walked. It was all we were allowed to do, and. I didn't really know what it was going to do for me at the time. It literally was just a matter of like, I need to get out of my house. Everything's closed. I want to go for a walk. Yeah. And as you just said, man, like it, it, as a coach, I can say, I mean, if you want me to get into the science of fat loss and burning more calories and we, we all know we all, you know, well, maybe we don't all know, but the reality of it is, you know, from like a, a fat loss perspective, we need to burn more calories than we're consuming in order to burn fat. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the boiled down basics of fat loss. So we can move more, we can eat a little bit less. And I know that that sounds very unnuanced. I acknowledge that, but the reality of it is, is walking for so many people can be the gateway to a more active lifestyle. Mm-hmm to start driving some changes that they're looking for. Now, for beyond that, though, beyond just, you know, the, the aesthetics of looking better, what it's doing for your mind, man, at least in, from my perspective, and I'm speaking from a very personal place right now, is as you just said, it just has opened things up, man. Like what started as I'm going to get out of my house for 10 minutes and go for a walk around the block, eventually turned into a walk around two blocks, eventually turned into a walk around the whole neighborhood, eventually turned into three, four, five miles every single morning. And now I can say honestly that every single morning I get up and I walk about four to five miles. You know, I spend about an hour, hour and a half walking. And I can say that is unequivocally the best part of my whole day, every single day. And the reason for that is, is by virtue of doing that in the morning, and everybody's different. Some people like to go for an evening walk. Some people don't like to walk at all. But I can say that for me, getting up early and getting outside, watching the sunrise on my face, having that clarity, that peace that is only available in the morning when the world is still silent and the noise that encumbers us every single minute otherwise of our day is simply just not started yet, that peace that you can only find at that time of day is such a valuable, valuable, God, that was, that was terrible. Valuable time. (laughs) I hope they can edit that out. (laughs) Such, (laughs) Such a valuable time to set your intention for what you want the rest of your day to look like Mm -hmm. you know and where i live to be fair i live in a very very beautiful place i live on an island in portugal and it's gorgeous and you know if, if you some people follow along and i always post some videos of what i'm what i'm up to and you can see it's it's gorgeous so i'm very fortunate to walk in a place that's very welcoming to walk um but the reality of it is, is I was doing this before I moved there. I was walking through you know, the, the suburbs of Phoenix and, <laughs> and, and, on hot mornings and oh, still getting the same amount of value from it. And, and I mean, in terms of sure, body composition, it certainly has helped me a great deal with fat loss and weight loss. But more importantly than that, man, it's this, it's this whole idea of, of getting the hard thing out of the way first you know, I I follow, I read a lot of Stoic literature. I I, I listen to a lot of Stoics and, you know, one of the, one of the key themes in any, in any, you know, in anybody speaking to that, to that philosophy is, is do the hard thing first, get the hard thing out of the way, start your day with the hard thing, you know, because the reality of it is, is that, you know, we hear a lot of the time, like, I'm not motivated, I'm not motivated to go do stuff. And that's, that's, that's almost leveraged as, as a reason to not act. But, but the reality of it is, is that, motivation doesn't bring about action, right? It's, 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 it's the reverse of that action is what brings around motivation. So by virtue of starting my day with something challenging, a nice brisk walk and where I live, it's an Island. So a lot of that is uphill. It starts my day with a ton of momentum that then carries through the whole rest of the day in terms of how I show up for my kids, for my family, for my clients, for my community. And, uh, honestly, in my opinion, a day without taking a long walk is not a day well
1: spent. Gotcha. <clears throat> I, love it. I love it. So, um, <clears throat> I know you coach for BSL nutrition. Um, what is that like? Um, how do you manage like time zones dealing with people over here and that? Like, you must have a crazy like I, schedule. Like, I just don't sleep. Yeah, <laughs> what do you like talking to people? Like, you have some clients who probably want a consultation in the morning, and some want to talk in the evening. It, it's tough, man.
0: It's a juggle, you know. And it, it's kind of funny because it's one of those situations where it's like careful what you wish for. Because I always said I wanted to live this digital nomad lifestyle. That always, ever since I'll never forget, man. It was two thousand and sixteen, and I read Tim Ferriss' the four-hour work week for the first time. (laughs) And I can say empirically that that book changed my life. It changed my entire perspective on what work life should look like, on what finances should look like, everything. And from that moment forward, I aligned all of my decisions to what it would look like to have autonomy in my work schedule and be able to live and work remotely. And I, I've achieved that. You know, I travel and I, I live and I work remotely. And uh, the time zones, though, are are a challenge. You know, I live in a place that is seven hours ahead of where we're sitting right now in Arizona. Wow. Um, I have clients in Japan. I have clients in Guam uh, from Portugal, where I live. Those, those clients are approximately 10 to 13 hours ahead of me. I wow. have clients that are seven hours behind me. And I have clients all across the continental United States, which encom- encompasses four time zones. Yeah. So the reality of it is, man, is you have to be, and this is something I talk a lot about. I've given, I've given a number of talks about um, what I call time blocking and time management, terms we've all heard before. But how we approach that, uh, I think, becomes even more important when you gain the level of autonomy over your schedule that working from home allows for you. You have to protect your time you have to be smart about it and that's not to say that you know you don't have to sometimes make some sacrifices if a client needs to meet with you and you're 10 hours apart you're going to have to figure out a time of day that works for both of you and sometimes it might not be the best but yeah. you know you do what you got to do but ultimately man setting my availability in such a way that I know allows for me to have a life with my kids uh I work what I would call a disjointed schedule so you know we we see a lot of people kind of with that, like, well, you work eight hours, it's eight consecutive hours mentality. When you work across time zones, my opinion is you have to break yourself free of that mentality. You no longer work an eight, eight synchronous hours. You know, that's just not how it works. So I really work hard to block my schedule in such a day that allows for strategic breaks throughout the day yeah. while still allowing my clients across the planet to have access to me to the degree that they need in order to, to deliver the best possible coaching I can give them.
1: Gotcha. Um, you know, I know you are going through, um, a pretty, well, I guess I would say earlier your divorce was, um, more difficult. I went through a divorce and in the beginning it was crazy, like back and forth. It's, you know, you guys are both emotional and then eventually it settles down to where you're communicating better. You're working together, you're co-parenting. How has that been for you? And how have you been doing with that?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm strictly going to speak from my perspective here because I want to be very respectful to to my ex. But you know, at the end of the day, I can say from my perspective, it's interesting to see how two people, when they let go of the expectation of what it is to be married, can suddenly foster and bloom into a new, a new expectation of what it is to be friends.
1: Okay, interesting concept.
0: And and, and it's been a really honestly. What was initially very hard and challenging and dark has now almost become something lovely and beautiful because we've gotten to, you know, rediscover one another as friends free of the expectations that I think were burdening us both in our marriage.
1: Yeah, I like that without the expectation. That probably makes it easier to deal with each other and communicate because you're going to be doing that for a long time. Well, and that's the thing and
0: and you know, you you got to as I as I always talk about it, it becomes very values driven. I think to the degree that we align ourselves to what we value, what matters most to us, we're going to be able to make decisions with a fair amount of ease. Mm-hmm. Because once you know your values, You can just simply ask the question, does this decision align to my value or not? And what we both value is our children. We want our children to be happy. In order for our children to be happy, our children need two happy and healthy parents. So everything that we are doing to this day revolves around giving ourselves the best possible circumstances that we can to allow our children to be as happy as they can with what is now going to be a new normal for them too. So the other day,
1: Ben did a... uh... Uh, a live, I guess, if you will, about, he called it the low-carb boot camp. And um, I really liked that he talked about that. I know that's not something he would, you know, promote. But I really liked how he explained that that's a temporary thing And how you would modify it moving forward. Do you ever deal with that with clients that just have a short term thing they need to get going to? And then how do you transfer that to something that you can maintain essentially?
0: That's a great question, man. So, I mean, all the time when you work in, when you, when you, when you, when you deal in nutrition and, and, and health coaching, you're gonna, you're gonna encounter the folks that have some sort of race or event they're training for, or perhaps a wedding or some big event, you know, an anniversary or something that they want to get ready for in a a truncated amount of time. It's going to happen. Is it ideal? No. Do I like short-term goals in that sense? No. My personal Dogma on health is it's a lifelong pursuit, mm-hmm. so when we start to truncate things into three month long goals it 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 removes the nuance of what really I perceive to be a lifelong pursuit. but that being said, I also recognize people have objectives, and I want to support them you know so sure there's certainly protocols, and you know anybody that that is listening would be. You know, it would benefit anybody to go listen to the podcast Ben put out that you just talked about regarding the low-carb boot camp because truthfully, yeah, there's protocols that we can implement to help you shave off a a fair amount of pounds in a fairly short period of time. Generally, they're not the most sustainable protocols, which is why you have to have very strategic ways to back out of them as you you go through them. You need a coach. You need somebody who understands this stuff. But the reality of it is, is the, the biggest challenge I see in, in getting out of the scientific nuance of, of, you know, how we would approach a low carb diet to strategically lose weight in a truncated amount of time. I mean, if you'd like to chat, I can. But really, what I, what I want to touch on with this, because I, I like to focus more on the mindset behind this stuff, is the the, the trap I see clients fall into all the time is that by virtue of setting this long, short term goal, it gives them something very strategic to work towards. But at the end of the day, if we set numerical goals, what do we do when we get there? What happens then? So my objective as a coach, my objective as a person trying to put good out into the world is to help people see that numerical-based goal setting is ineffective for long-term outcomes. What I try to push people toward is behavior-based goal setting. So rather than setting the goal of, I want to lose 20 pounds in three months, Why don't we set the goal of, I want to walk 8,000 steps a day? Because ultimately, the goal that you're setting will be nothing more than a symptom of your behavior. If you're sitting here overweight, it's a symptom of your behavior. If you're sitting here lean and fit, it's a symptom of your behavior. So rather than setting the goal that we don't really control, the number on the scale, the circumference measurement, the body composition, set the behavior-based objective that we do control, the step count, the types of foods I'm going to eat today, how I'm going to approach recovery, how I'm going to approach my relationships, how much sunlight am I going to get today?
1: Right. That makes sense. Um, There's a controversy about how much weight is safe to lose in a week. What's your take on that? (laughs) And I know because we're in a society where people look at the scale you know, there's apps that say, ooh, if you're doing more than three pounds, that's dangerous, hard to maintain. Then there's apps that say, one, one pound a week is good, one and a half. What's your take on that?
0: Okay. So, first off, what you just said, generally speaking, would be my objective for sustainable fat loss for a client about a half a pound to a pound and a half a week, depending on the individual. And that's where you get into the nuance of every single person's different. We sure. have people that are walking in with a fairly healthy body composition. Those folks are generally going to experience, you know, fairly quick results because they're already dealing with a decent amount of muscle mass and they're going to be able to burn energy more efficiently. Um, You have folks that are walking in with a a less favorable body composition. Those folks are going to have a little bit more difficult of a time because the fact of the matter is, is that sitting still, muscle burns more energy than fat. So when somebody's walking in with a less favorable body composition, they're going to have a far likely more challenging time initially Losing fat, losing weight, just by virtue of how their metabolism is leveraged relative to how much muscle they have on their, on their bones. Mm-hmm. So this, what's a safe amount of weight or fat to lose? Dude, that's just such a nuanced question. I mean, if you go get into like the fight and MMA world, you know, you have guys that are doing weight cuts losing 15, 20 pounds in a week. If they're not doing it safely with a very qualified nutritionist or nutrition coach to support them in rehydrating and refueling post-weight cut, they can encounter some pretty serious medical problems. If they do it intelligently, it can be quite safe. It's not fun. It's quite unpleasant. But it can be done safely and with performance in mind. If you look at – but most of us are not elite fighters trying to make weight on a scale on Friday night for a fight on Saturday, right? So when you look at your average individual, the safest amount of weight to lose in a week, I don't think that I can answer that question in good conscience because anything that I say could very much be leveraged as an opportunity to say, well, Joey said the truth of the matter is nobody should be striving for fast weight loss in a week. Not one person, not you, not me, not anybody else. You know, the reality of it is, is if you're trying to lose more than one or two pounds a week. You're going to have to take some fairly aggressive protocols, i.e. the carbohydrate boot camp that Ben talked about the other day, water manipulation, etc. And if you're not working with somebody professional who understands the science behind that stuff at a very high level, you are putting yourself at danger to really harm yourself long term. The smartest way to do this is to work with somebody who understands it, set reasonable goals, reasonable expectations, and set yourself up for success by setting unrealistic expectations for yourself, all that you're doing is setting yourself up to fail and feel crappy about it and perpetuate a cycle that, frankly, you've probably been in for a long time already to begin with. And why the hell would we want to keep perpetuating that cycle? Let's Got set it. some realistic expectations. Gotcha. All
1: right. So let's talk about, and I love these questions because no matter how many times I've had to on here, it's the same questions every time in the DM. And it's just kind of funny to me. I've been at this so long, but I keep hearing the same question. What about this diet? What about this diet? You know, so-and-so, my friend, you know, she did the poop diet, and she lost all this weight. And it's like, people want the thing instead of the thing they need to do is start with themselves, you know? So what? what's the question in there? So the question is... What do you say to these folks who come at you with, what about this diet? And my friend did this diet. Okay. So the asking. question is, what, what do I think of the people who come at me with the latest fad diet? Right.
0: right. There's always going to be fads, man. I've been, I've been, I've been, Working in this industry now for the better part of half a decade and uh before that, managing my own health and wellness to the best degree possible for decades before that. And the fact of the matter is there's always going to be a new fancy fad diet. You're never going to be able to talk people out of it, you know, because it's the marketing that we're fed. So as a coach, what I perceive my job to be is to help give people what they want while actually giving them what they need. So if you want to walk up to me with, you know, your latest carnivore, keto, fat blast, 30, fast 75, whatever the heck it's called. There's, I can't even remember them all off the top of my head now. Actually I could, that's the frustrating part, but I'm not going to list them. <laughs> if you want to come to me with one of those ideas, what I see, and, and this is the truth is I see somebody who wants to change. Okay. I see somebody who is trying to do something good for themselves. So I could, as a coach, take the approach of, well, that's stupid. You shouldn't do keto. That's never going to work. It's too restrictive. All the things that we as coaches know to be true, I could take that approach. But then what am I doing? I'm telling somebody who actively is walking up to me, seeking change, seeking to better themselves and telling them that's a stupid idea. Don't do that. How does it feel when we tell that to a child who has an idea? Right. It, it, it destroys them. It deflates them. Right. So why would we do that? The reality of it is, is what I want to do is celebrate the fact that they want to change. And then I want to ask some very targeted and open-ended questions to get a feel for how realistic it is from their perspective for them to execute what I know to be a very challenging thing to execute Mm -hmm. efficiently. And usually with the implementation of a few targeted questions, we can get most individuals to see that maybe that hyper-restrictive new diet isn't going to be the most effective methodology. And if not, then give them the latitude to try it. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. If nothing else, as I said a moment ago, you know, we know action builds motivation. So if it gives them a little bit of something to act on that can build a little bit of motivation that then we can work backwards from to implement a more strategic and, uh, and, you know, long-term sustainable approach, then what's wrong with that? Why would I try to stop them?
1: So how do you deal with, um, uh, vegans <laughs> I tell them they need more protein? <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's funny, man. Um, I, again, dude, like there's, cause I, I don't know for some people that's beyond a diet. That's more of a lifestyle. They feel like if you eat animals, I mean, it, it goes through the different spectrums.
0: That's the question, man, because it's like the, again, you just hit it. Like I'm, I'm going to first ask that person, like Why? Is it is it because you think it's a healthy way to live or is it because of an ethical and moral question that you're trying to, to live by, a standard you're trying to live by? And the answer to that question is very much going to guide the conversation. If they tell me it's because they think it's the healthiest way to live— then I obviously have some arguments against that logic. If you tell me it's an ethical and moral issue, then who the heck am I as a nutrition coach to question your morals and ethics? Sure. If you want to eat vegan, then that's exactly what you should do, and I'm going to support you to the best degree possible. Now, from a, a, a nutrition approach, I can tell you empirically, as somebody who you know works with a, a lot of clients and, and generally has my clients track food to the best degree possible— And knows, you know, what it takes to actually burn body fat and build muscle, i.e. we need to eat a calorie deficit and eat adequate protein and probably a lot of fiber. I know the vegans not going to have a hard time getting a lot of fiber. They're probably not going to have as hard of a time eating fewer calories because we know that vegan-based food, provided it's done well, is going to be, you know, higher volume, lower calorie. The biggest gap I see with a lot of people who try to eat a vegetarian slash vegan diet with me is that they are just lacking in protein. They're not getting enough protein. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, with a vegan diet, there is a right and a wrong way to do it. You can absolutely get enough protein on a vegan diet. It can be done, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of strategy. And for most people walking up to me with a fat loss goal, They're coming to me from a place of being incredibly busy in their lives, probably have a couple kids they're trying to manage. They probably have a high degree of in their profession or some business they're trying to run. So the reality of telling them, like, this is how you're going to have to spend your time if you want to eat vegan and hit a reasonable amount of protein to actually build a healthy body composition,
1: they have to decide for themselves at that point if that's an achievable and realistic goal or not. So I started asking all my guests the forward question. And the FORD is an acronym. The first acro- uh, letter in the acronym is, is, stands for family. Right now, tell me some pros and cons about family. Pro- Keep it brief because I'm going to go through all the letters. Pros and cons about family. Right now. It gives it you something work. to work. It gives you something to focus
0: on. It gives you something to align your decisions behind. Because when you have family who you love, it becomes very clear what you need to do to make sure that they're, that they're okay. Mm-hmm. Cons? Well, If you're somebody who likes to travel a lot, like I do, it gets a lot more expensive to travel. Uh, When you're trying to go do a podcast with your buddy Clarence, you got to (laughs) find somebody to watch the kids. (laughs) Honestly, man,
1: you ask pros and cons with family. I can't think of any legitimate cons of of good family. Fair enough. We already know the O stands for occupation. Um, What is a con of your job? Do you take home some people's stress? We had a we've had people in here who who are coaches, but other type of coaches. And sometimes they carry the stories they hear. I mean, you, you hear stories, I'm sure as a nutritionist, you may be thinking nutrition, but here's something totally off nutrition and you're dealing with it.
0: Nutrition coaching is about 5% nutrition and about 95% helping people work through their internal BS, yeah. of which we all have a lot. Yeah. So the, the biggest challenge of my job, as I perceive it, is, is how, do you, how do you leave what is going to get laid on top of you? at the door at the end of the call. Certainly. And that can be a challenge because people have a lot. And, and, and our job as coaches is to be there for them and be empathetic to what's going on and help, help them work through that to the degree that they can get where they say they want to go. Um, but if you're an empathetic person, it also means that you're generally going to carry more than a non-empathetic person. And that can be a challenge. How do you leave that at the door? Gotcha.
1: Okay. Well, they, obviously, the positives are you're changing people's lives. So the R stands for yes. recreation recreation. What do you people want like if people listen they, they hear your business side. Of it. What is what do you well, I know you like martial arts, which is fun cuz I like martial arts too. Uh, what do you like to do for fun if you got uh a weekend to yourself so you don't have the kids, maybe you don't have any client schedule. What what is you, you what know what lo- going to do? You <laughs> know what I
0: love to do, man, and I'm so fucking pumped up for this weekend. I have my cousin lends me her Jeep every time I'm stateside. She has a nice, you know, Jeep Sahara 4x4. And this weekend, I'm going to drive up to northern Arizona, and I'm going to tear up some dirt roads. And I can't freaking wait, man. Like, that is one of my all-time favorite things. Before I moved to Portugal, I had a nice, fully lifted uh, Toyota Tacoma. And any chance I got, man, I'd go tear up a dirt road with that thing. I love it. You could have
1: used that last week. We had some pretty serious um, uh, rain. It was flooding the streets. I, was, I have a Jeep, too, so I'm laughing at people in these little cars getting stuck in puddles. I don't know why people think they can drive through puddles. <laughs> it never fails. Every monsoon season, someone's car gets stuck. And we were watching from a building. All these little cars tried to go in, these lowered cars, and they were just engines freezing up on them. It was crazy. <laughs> and then you see these guys in these lifted trucks. They're just like <laughs> crashing through it. Yeah, yeah, loving it, you know. <laughs> All right, so the last one of the Ford acronym is d stands for dreams. What is your dream, and what are the cons of that dream so it 's kind of an odd question
0: my dream honestly man, as it has evolved, my dream is to get to help the largest audience possible lead healthier lives okay that 's what I want because i 've been in the trenches i 've been overweight i 've been sucked into my job in such a way that I felt like it was absolutely impossible to do anything but sit and answer emails all day long. I've been there. I know what it feels like. I know how hard it is. And I want to help people see that there's another way. And I want to help as many freaking people as I can. That's my dream. So how do I do that? Well, I got to build an audience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The cons of that are that uh, for every two or three people who you think want help, maybe one or two of those three are actually ready to receive that help. So and you've can,
1: obviously gotten to a point where you're not taking it personally, but I'm sure in the beginning when you start coaching, oh, you took it personal.
0: For all you new coaches out there, you're gonna have clients that don't show up. You're gonna have clients that ask for a different coach or say this isn't working out, they're not jiving with you, and you are going to take
1: it personally at first. It's gonna hurt your feelings. I think it was all trainers too. Because <laughs> it was probably like liking Because I'm like, people never look at themselves. It's like the trainers, how many ways can you do a bench press? How many ways can you eat protein? I mean, when are you going to go, it's you? Like, a lot of you. You're not showing up. Have you really been tracking your food? Have you really been working out? And if you get someone to really be honest, it's not the trainer. Now, don't get me wrong. I think a bad trainer might be someone who might be having someone doing something. Maybe they're not physically prepared for. But even I think the worst trainer can help somebody. I mean, unless he's really off the wall. Like, I can't even think of a bad example because most people are pretty decent.
0: Most of the trainers I see in the gym or on the, in the online space, you know, you got some people doing some crazy shit out there, but you know, at the end of the day, most of them are legitimately coming from a place of trying to help people, get get them more active, get them eating some healthier food. I think what it comes down to is, you know, I do think there is something to be said for how we jive with certain people. Sometimes we just don't jive with certain individuals. It
1: doesn't Doesn't mean
0: that you're a bad person or I'm a bad person. Sometimes we just don't jive. And that can very much happen with a client and a coach or Mm -hmm. trainer. And that has happened to me. We just didn't jive, mm-hmm. and the client asked for somebody else, or left the left the the package altogether. And you know, and but the reality of it is, is is in most in in a lot of cases, man. Like any trainer, any coach, man, we're going to be with the client an hour or two a week. Every other day of the week, every other hour of those days, that client's got to be there for themselves. Yeah, it's a relationship. It's a relationship, and 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 the work comes from the client. You know, yeah, that's who's got to do the work. That's who's got to show up and eat the eat the proper food do the workouts, get their step count in, try to get some sleep, try to take some time for themselves and that's a very challenging thing for a lot of people to do. And I think that a lot of people who who come and sign up for a, a coaching package or something like that and I just I'm just going to be blunt, man, they think they're ready but then they get into it and see what it actually takes and at that moment in their life, that quote unquote as I said earlier, season of their life, the juice of what it's gonna of the, that they're gonna get out of this isn't worth the squeeze they got to do to get it.
1: Like at that, that moment, you know, that's a Ben Brownism,
0: man. I'm not going to take credit for that
1: one. <laughs> the worth the squeeze. <laughs> all right, so besides you being up north driving around splashing mud on people's cars, where can people find you if they want to follow your journey? Uh,
0: besides right. the mud bogging in my in my in my cousin's Jeep, um, <laughs> honestly, man, all the socials: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's just at Joey Solowitz. Uh, and then, of course, follow b s l nutrition. I coach exclusively through b s l so if you know anything I said here resonated, you want to carry the conversation on further follow b s l nutrition and, and i'm you know I'm happy to connect with that's you a, through that's them an too interesting
1: question um a thought I had um how do you guys pick is it like a round robin or who decides who gets to coach the coach client or they just pick on a profile that they like or
0: do you mean relative to like the, the fact that we have multiple coaches
1: and all you guys are there and how do or is it just Ben going? I think this is the person. Or do you select your own? I,
0: I think it's a lot of that. You know, a lot of we coaches are driving our own clientele into the business. You know, I've got I've got people who follow along with what I'm up to and get curious and reach out to me directly. And mm-hmm. if they're interested in talking to me directly, I direct them through the BSL Nutrition ecosystem, and they get connected with me as a coach. Then okay. once they've agreed that you know it's it's the right fit for them. Uh, Then we have other coach clients who have just come through, you know, for instance, our community, our Facebook group, our email list, et cetera, the various promotions we run. And at that point, it really comes down to uh, the coaching team and and Ben specifically kind of looking at the individual and then looking at the individual coaches and and seeing who he thinks would be the best fit for that individual client. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. All right. Well, it's always a pleasure. And you notice I got Joey to say his own last name. That's called good. Pretty, pretty, pretty interview. interview in there. Yeah. <laughs> interview tip if you don't know somebody's name, tell them to say their name. <laughs> Just get the interviewee talking, man. Right. <laughs> Joey, it's always fun, man. You always drop some knowledge, and I'm glad you're doing well, and I'm glad you're changing things, and I enjoy following you. I love the speed it up videos. <laughs> So I don't even know how to do that. How do you do that? You got to show me, dude. How to it's do that.
0: Instagram Reels, man. They make it so easy. You I just know, you, you upload the video, shoot. and there's a little button that says three times speed, and you click there on. You it, go. See, I, I love making my off. videos. That's that's you. You asked me about hobby. That's one of my hobbies. Making my. I know. Instagram I love that. whenever I see you,
1: you because <laughs> I follow you, and it's like, okay, let me see what he's up to. The food ones are funny too, because you're like, <laughs> and then it's done, and then you see. Uh, real quick, I saw you in like a market. There was a bunch of people. Eating. Was at a restaurant? Is it just like community dinners or something? the there's one where you, there's a bunch of people eating i don't know if you were cooking for everybody but it seemed like everybody was enjoying a nice meal that people put together it was almost like a potluck
0: or oh yeah well dude where i live man in, in portugal it's so community driven man so we will frequently have things like block parties and you know uh rabbit hunting is a big thing on our island uh, it's they're the only game you can hunt so people will go hunt rabbits and then we'll do big rabbit cookouts for the whole neighborhood, man. Is that man. tough for
1: your vegan clients?
0: <laughs> they don't love it. They don't. I, I, I stopped trying to cater to, uh, yeah. to my what vegan clients. What are you doing clients. later, Joey? I'm going I eat fish, I uh, eat rabbit, rabbit hunting. <laughs> <laughs> The worst part is when they see that we eat the heads, the tongues, all of it, Whoa! Yeah, the, 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 we don't waste food on that island, man. Wow. It's coming from a very uh, a very old-world perspective of, of, of no waste. Wow. Okay. <laughs>
1: well, geez, I didn't know all that. Well, I can't say We used to eat cow tongue and cow brain, so I guess hey. it's all specific. Yeah. I mean, it's true. If you lived on a farm, you ate everything. You made use of everything. Absolutely. You know, That's living off the land. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate you. You can follow me on all things social media. Fit Over 40 with Coach Clarence on Facebook. The Coach Clarence on Instagram. Also, Clarence M. Ferguson on Instagram. My website for mortgage-related questions, mtgmancf.com. My website for fitness questions and bookings, fitover40.online. You can book consultation with me at book 30 with coach.com and for questions about the show or be a guest go to info at coachclarence.com we'll see you next time be good if you can't be good be good at it